It's good to have you here today. And I'm telling you that, I know that I tell you that most Sundays, but I am so glad that you're here. I believe that God puts you in the right place at the right time to hear this message today. Uh, and the, the, the way that you listen to it, which is in, in a way of learning it to the, to the fullness. In, in other words, let me just say this. This message today has helped me because I've had to prepare it in order to hopefully communicate it clearly to you. Uh, what I'm saying is I would like you to listen today as if you were going to teach somebody this at lunch today. So you're, you're picking up what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Now, now remember this, that as we've been into this series in putting things together, there's some people here the first time, uh, maybe this is, uh, you've been attending our church, but you've been away for a couple, maybe weeks, months, um, but listen to this message today. Uh, let's pray. Father, today you put a message on my heart that I know is for the people that are here right now, the people that are at home listening, Father, through the Internet, God, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit that we believe that resides in us will speak to us, and that not only will He speak to us, but we will listen. And we're, we'll do more than just be hearers of the Word of God, but doers of the Word of God. And Father, take this Word that comes out of my mouth, and I, I pray that, God, that you would custom fit, tailor it to everybody in their situation today. In your name we pray, amen. Now, the Word of God says in Ephesians, and, and again, this is one of my favorite passages. In, in the first part of Ephesians, Paul says this, Every since I heard that you became a believer, that you're a follower of God to that early church, I prayed that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation of who God is, so that you might know the power that resides in you is just the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. See, there's a lot of times that we don't realize that, therefore we don't realize the power that is afforded us. So when we get to passages that Jesus said, that I've come to give you life to the full, to the overflow, some people go, that, that sounds too good to be true. He came to give me life. And when we talk about prosperity, a lot of people will shut down because, again, oh, 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 I don't know if that's for me. And if I'm a Christian, I don't believe in, why don't you? Because as we talked about last week, if you go up to somebody that's not even a believer, but they believe, or maybe they're not a follower of Christ, but they might believe in God, and you say, can I pray with you? Most of the time it's on healing. Can, can, you, can you pray? I'm sick in my body, or they have a family member. Or they'll say, can you pray for my finances? I'm, I'm hurting in this area. And then they pray for relationships. God, can you, can you just, can you pastor or friend or believe, whatever? Can you pray for my relationships? Now, why would they and why would we pray for that if we don't believe that God could do it and wants for us to have life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow? Prosperity in all areas of our life, wholeness, in our healing, in our, in our health, in our relationships with one another. I don't know about you, but I like to be around people that make me feel good about myself. Now, if you're honest, you'll say the same thing. You don't like to be around people that are just always grouchy and negative and... What's wrong? They don't even know. But they just can't allow themselves... To think that God would be so good that he would love us to that extent. Now, now this morning, realize that all of us, as we're, um, I don't know, you could say it, on our journey of life, and we're looking for God, and, and God has revealed himself to us, and the goodness of God, and, and what Jesus did on the cross for you and me, a free gift, that we can receive what he did on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven, and that we can spend eternity with him. Now, now, maybe this is your first day of becoming a Christian, and you believe that. I, I believe it with all my heart. But let me tell you, when you swim in the revelation of just salvation, 
All the things that God has come to give us, we put on the shelf and say, all I'm doing is waiting until I die to spend eternity with Him. Not realizing that your eternity starts the day that you make the decision with Jesus, about Jesus Christ being Savior of your life and Lord of your life. When I talk to people and I say, are you, are you having a good day? And they'll give me whatever. They're really trying to sum it up, or I'm trying to say, are you having a good life? And most people want a state change of wherever they are to happiness. Now, now watch this. When we realize that we come to Jesus Christ and make him Lord and Savior of our life, the Bible, the Word of God, is there to renew our mind, to transform us. This little poster here uh, kind of is what I go through is the Word of God changes our thinking and when our thinking changes, all of a sudden, there's a whole other thing that starts happening. God becomes Lord of our life, and it's not something that we just say. And there's a transformation. The thinking changes. Our emotions don't guide us anymore. Just where, But our emotions line up with the Word of God. Then we make the right choices. And when we make the right choices, we be, begin to make the right habits. And when our habits change, our character and then our destiny changes. A lot of people will say, you know, I... I I don't like where I'm at, and I feel like God has so much more for me than what I'm walking in right now. We're going to be talking about that today. Because where we are, we're working towards the fruit of what we're looking for. Now, that, that might be big, but here's what the Word of God describes as the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits. Growing up, I thought it was apples and oranges and, you know, all these different things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, you begin to see things, characteristics, and behaviors come forth. Behavior is something that is evident of what's going on on the inside. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Somebody here today wants peace of what you've been through. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. And we all said self-control. Anybody up for a little self-control? Don't raise your hand, but how, much, uh, how many people are up for your spouse having a little self-control? There, there's something about fruit that is evident that we go, that, that's not just you. There's something going on on the inside that is being evident on the outside. Here's a spiritual word or a church word. Manifestation. In other words, what you could not see, now you can see. This morning, I want to talk about the second part of what we talked last week, and that is the subject of shame. Shame. Let me read the quote that I read last week. The intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. There's a lot of people that walk in shame. Let me say it another way. Something that we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us unworthy of connection, of love. A lot of times when somebody walks in shame, and, and let me tell you this, a lot of us are uh, conscious of that and something that has happened in our life or we've experienced. It might have been your fault. It might not have been your fault. But chances are there's a large chance that it's because of somebody else that has been in your life, a person. So when we talk about being a believer and walking in love, this is where the rub comes. It's like, oh, you don't know what people have done to me. This morning, let me say it another way. I want to give a quote, and this is on shame. Listen to this. According to the size of their mistake or the sensitivity to failure, Listen, shame takes root in the hearts and minds of those that fell. Now, shame isn't just a feeling, it is a spirit. It is a spirit that attacks the identity of the individual. 
The Spirit lies to people and leads them to believe that their poor behavior is really flowing from who they are. You didn't fail. You are a failure. You didn't make a mistake. You are a mistake. Do you understand how important it is to have a transforming of our minds? Because that is our operating system, a lot of us, of shame that is running over and over in the background. Some of you think, well, I don't know if, if I'm even subconsciously walking in that. Let, let me ask you this. These are some questions that just kind of bring you to maybe a realization. Have you ever felt like everyone is against you? You're not as good as others? Or that no matter how hard you try, you can't do anything right? Have you ever heard the little voice in your head say, you don't fit in, nobody likes you? Or how about, how, how could God really love you? I mean, he really knows everything about you. If you answered yes to any of those, it's likely that shame is speaking to you. Now again, we talked about last week the whole thing about conviction versus shame. Conviction is there in our heart, and I believe that the Holy Spirit tells us what's right and wrong. But here's the different conviction leads us hopefully to repentance. The, the most grotesque of sins, that's why somebody that has experienced grace in their life, I don't know about it, what you believe, but I, I've seen people that have experienced grace and they throw their head back and they can't hardly sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like They can't hardly sing it without crying because they realize in, in their repentance of what God has done for them. But see, shame doesn't speak. There's no way that you can repent. That's just who you are. What you did is just who you are. You're a mistake. You're a failure. You're no good. You're not good enough. So many times, shame begins to speak and try to, it's almost a seduction. And you almost feel like a prey. The shame begins to come in and say, you're not all that. You can't be that. If you just could work a little bit more on being perfect. When we listen to shame, we'll never feel secure about our identity. Listen to me. There's always a little bit more that we try to do to prove that we're okay. It, we never can really appease the voice that's speaking, you're no good, you're not good enough, you've you got to do a little bit more. Come on now. Don't, don't we get to the place where we feel like if we can just feel worthy, if we can just be a, a little bit more successful, a little bit more thinner, huh? Just, just uh, if we can work on being a little bit smarter, a little bit more wealthier, a little bit more accomplished. And so many times we'll even use shame to try to build a better godly sense of worthiness. Listen, I, I believe that shame attacks your identity, but also it's attacking your destiny. Hear me, because that, that is so important that you have to get that. Let me say it again. Shame not only attacks your identity, but it also attacks your destiny. It, it mocks you. Who do you really think you are? And, and, and the accuser begins to bring things against you. and the, the, Just like digital pictures that keep popping up of all the things that you did and you know you should not have done or that you experienced or maybe that you should have done but you did not do. And the accuser begins to pop those pictures over and over in your mind. Let me, let me tell you this. When Jesus was baptized... Listen, here he is, and he's entering into his ministry, and he doesn't preach one message. He doesn't heal one sick person. He doesn't prophesy until he first hears his identity. And as the Father speaks to him, if you remember that passage, and he's being baptized, and the Father says, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not, maybe we'll have it on the screen. If not, just, just try to remember this. We can only fulfill our supernatural destiny to the degree that we believe our supernatural identity. You can't fulfill until you believe that God has a supernatural destiny for you. See, in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about you. It talks about me. And that passage says that you are God's masterpiece, that he predestined really before the foundations of the earth for you to do great things. Now watch this. A lot of times when you read that, you, you kind of take a step back and go, masterpiece, pastor, you don't know all the flaws. I That's the shame that speaks to us. Until you believe your supernatural identity, you will not be able to fulfill it. Can you see with me that as soon as you begin to get it, the enemy's coming, not just to attack your identity, but he does not want you to fulfill what God has created you to do in your life. There is a ripple effect. Everywhere you go, you're influencing somebody. And if you don't believe that you're who God created you to believe, that ripple effect will not take an influential part on people's life like God has created you to do. Pastor, you don't know the mistakes. You don't know what he did to me. Pastor, I never got married thinking that I was going to go through a divorce. I, I, never, I never went into business and thinking that my partner that I knew for years, I knew him since a child, would do that to me and I'd have to go bankrupt and lose everything that I have. There, there's all kinds of things that we go through in life where shame comes in and again, realizing that shame is it's not just an emotion, but a spirit that can attach to you. I don't know about you, but it's a whole other subject when you think somebody could break into your house versus somebody saying, I know somebody that said tonight at 7 o'clock he's going to break into your house. Oh, no, he's not. Now, now Here's what I want to talk about, and then we'll go back. So many times, what's running in our subconscious, if we knew it, we would say, oh no, that's not going to have a hold on me. That's not going to take control of my life. But the craziest thing is that deception is so deceiving, because we don't know it. It's like, as I said last week, it's like riding an elephant with all its power, saying, I'm going in the direction I want to go. And all of a sudden, that elephant says, I'm going to take a left. And you go, yes, I wanted to go left all the time. See, the subconscious is the elephant. And what so many times we do is when we do, when we see and when we have actions that come out, we don't even realize that things are working in the subconscious. And then we call it fate. That's just how life is. No, it's not. Through this series that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, it's the habits that go on. And so many times there's something that cues a response, and we didn't even pick up why we get to that state. And if we're walking through this series, this part is on shame. And if we don't realize in the subconscious that our past is dictating what we're going to do tomorrow, think of how hideous that can be. You know, uh, Gwen and I just celebrated 34 years of marriage. And that, that was Saturday. That was yesterday. 34 years. And so I, I chose the kind of the little trip that we went on, about a, a two-day, three-day trip, and we went to Louisiana. I have some cows, so we picked up some cows on the way. But that wasn't the real reason we went. <laughs> 
I chose to go to Southern Plantation in, in these homes. And we, we went through the homes and beautiful houses. And, the, you know, the narrator, not the narrator, the tour guide would kind of take us through some of the, the actual personal things of the people that owned them and how they lived. And so, so we went in one, Rosedown, I think it was. And these, this is beautiful plantation and, and all the story. But what was funny is it came to the point where they said that the lady of the house was extremely spiritual. I mean, she believed in God. And out of the same mouth, within the same sentence, but very superstitious. Bring it on, I can't wait to hear this. Because if she's very religious and very spiritual and knows God, that we're an overcomer, but boy, watch out, there might be a demon. And in the, the tour guide would, would take us through and notice the chandelier. And there's, I don't know what they call it, but kind of the molding around, you know, the, all the fancy decorative, you know, they, yeah. Do you notice the four cherims on the, pointing to the north, south, east, and west? They're looking at the corners of the room because they believe that demons would come in and, and sit in the corners of the room. Do you notice that the, all the keyholes in the doors are crooked? They're sideways because they believe demons could come through the keyhole. And if you notice closely, there's a cover over each, every keyhole. Then they took us to a mirror in the lobby. And the mirror did, it looked like it was getting old. And if you've ever seen a, a, a mirror that's getting old, you know it starts, the, the dark black parts come through. They said they believed in that time period that you would take a black curtain and drape it over the, the mirror when somebody died because when the spirit left the body, if they saw themselves in the mirror their spirit couldn't pass through to the other side. Now, and they said, do you see the blackness? That's caused because they think that the spirit couldn't pass through. And if you look at that, boom, you know, there we go. That'll be $26.95 for the tour. Step to the left. Tell your friends and family, come see us. Did, did they say there was a ghost in here? Listen, a lot of that was a power of suggestion. You know, saying something. Now, this morning, as we talked about in, in overcoming in every area of our life, this morning we're talking about overcoming the area of, of shame. Listen to how Jesus, after he receives his identity at his baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, immediately he was taken into the wilderness for temptation by the enemy. What was the attack that the accuser came against him? If you really are the son of God, remember that? He said stuff like, turn this bread into, or these stones into bread. If you're really the son of God, Cast yourself off the temple and it'll be okay. Now, I want you to see this. Because what was happening is the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you call him, Be Beelzebub, he, he, he's the enemy. He's coming against Jesus and he's coming against him because of his identity. Because if he can get Jesus to perform to the place of proving that he was the Messiah, then Jesus would have had to continually prove that he was Messiah. See, some of us would work into, are you kidding me? I got miracle working power. I said, boom, watch that. You don't believe? Boom! But see, Jesus got this. He was content. He knew who he was in his identity, and he knew the reason that he came to earth for, and that is to die for you and me. Being 
able to say, I am not, I'm not in a place where I'm going to go around performing. I am the Son of God. Okay. The reason I bring that up is if you're not careful when you're walking through shame and if it's the operating system in your life, so much performance begins to run your life. There's even a sense of extreme guilt if you don't do something that you feel like. Now i got to tread a little cautiously here. But like, I didn't go to church last week. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. And I don't know for sure. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But here's what I'm saying is so many times if you're not careful, you're always performing to prove to the enemy, which who cares what he thinks? You're trying to prove something so that you can say, I am. Now, now, if you haven't been here, we've been talking about the Word of God, not John Miller, not some pastor, not what the church is saying now. But here's what the Word of God says, that you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. you know if something went off in, on the inside of you. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. What Jesus did for you on the cross, when you give your life to him, you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. You didn't earn that. You didn't jump through a hoop. You didn't do anything. You just said, I received, Jesus, what you did for me. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now, let me give you quickly some things, and then at the end, I'm going to hand these out to you so you don't have to take notes on these, but I want it to be something that's in your mind. Six ways to silence the voice of shame. These are very practical. Again, if you find yourself constantly struggling to prove that you're good, to prove your acceptance, you're caught up in the perfection of, I've got to do it, I've got to do it, to be the righteousness in Christ Jesus. One, learn how to recognize God's voice from the devil's voice. This is important because you take everything and think that it's you or it's God speaking. Write it down and see if it lines up with the Word of God. Number two, learn how to be vulnerable. Shame works in secrecy. Sometimes you have to take a risk in trusting someone. I feel like I'm listening to shame speaking in my life, which is causing these effects in my life. But let me tell you, if the Bible says, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed, then you are free or you have the ability to walk in freedom. But it's your choice. Number three, learn how to recognize your feelings. Can, can I say this? Empathy is the antidote for shame. We know that whole, we talked about that love is the, the, the problem solver. So there's something about empathy. When you begin to um, learn how to recognize your feelings, and then you, got, you give yourself some grace, God's given you grace. Again, identifying your feelings. Don't let your feelings control you. Most of us wouldn't get out of bed in the morning if we did. Number four, learn to take every thought captive. Again, I I don't want to get so far into this that people get bogged down, but we are in a spiritual warfare. The enemy trying to still kill and destroy, again, your identity, therefore your destiny. Again, that's found in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, bringing every thought captive. You might have a thought in the day that's not good. You don't have to act on it. And you're not sinful just because you had the thought. Be free on that. I told you one time I heard a pastor say that he was in line at the grocery store and an older lady, he felt like cut in front of him. And he had a thought, just push her down and get in front. I think everybody here that's breathing would say, oh, that's horrible. 
But just because he had the thought, he said, I didn't do it. Number five, learn how to listen through the ears of faith. What is God saying to me right now? By faith. Have you ever thought that there's actually scriptures that you can read? That again, brings you to another level. That again, begins to build your identity of what God says and who God says you are. I'm going to hand out some of those at the end of the message too. And number six is learn to be grateful. Have you ever noticed that most people don't sleep outdoors? But we're blessed with sleeping indoors. Have you noticed because everybody sleeps indoors that we're not really grateful for that? Do you realize that most of us are privileged enough for the little thing of using the restroom inside? We don't have to go outside? Those southern plantations had those, what's those little buildings with the half moon in them? But you know what? They were privileged to have an outhouse versus behind a tree. Come on. Start with the smallest things and being grateful. Some of you are so rich, but you wouldn't say you're rich. But your little your cars have houses called garages. Again, thankfulness prepares the way of breakthrough in your life. It again speaks to what God is blessing you right now in your life. Listen to this. Shame is removed through love. Shame tries to keep people trapped in their mistakes by convincing them that there is nothing they can do and they're powerless. Today I want to give a brief description in the Bible and then bring it to your application. Listen to this. The one that I want to use today is in John. It's at the end of the book. In John chapter 21, it's a story about Peter's failure. Now remember that Peter has already failed before this chapter. He has fallen because he's betrayed Jesus. Can you imagine the amount of shame that could be on somebody that did that? Hello? Not only did he deny him, but he said that he would not deny him. Jesus set him up to be successful and he still denied him. But then you start thinking about what happened the first time that he saw all the disciples. Hey, Peter. I heard about that the other night with the rooster and all that. Now, if they did not say anything, the voice inside of his head did. You're not all that. The reason you're that way, Peter, is because that's who you are and will always be. You have very little character. You're very shallow. He might have started thinking, who knows? This is just conjecture. But he could have said, well, Jesus said that on my revelation that he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that on that revelation, on that rock, he's going to build his church. And then the enemy would say, but that's before the betrayal. Did anybody with me on that? Has the enemy ever spoke to you? So here he is, and he, he's walking, and, and he's thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? And they go back to fishing. Remember the story? And then Jesus is on the shore, cast your nets on the other side, a great catch of 153 fish, pulls it in, celebration, and Peter jumps out of the water and swims to the shore. Now here's just a little observation when he gets to the shore, there's a fire burning. Do you realize when he's denying Christ, this is just a little color on the story, okay? When he's betraying Jesus, it says that he's warming his hands by a fire, a wood fire, you know? 
And then the, the little girl comes up and says, you're a disciple. No, I'm not. I just wonder, you know, the smell is some of the, some of the key sense of remembering. And possibly he could have gotten out and smelt that wood fire. I don't know. And shame would have come all over him. Now, do you remember the story? If you don't, it's good, because I'm going to tell you again. So you can tell the person at lunch that you're talking about. In John chapter 21, it says that Jesus takes him through what I would call almost a, a freedom or a deliverance of shame in his life. Do we know what Peter does from this point on in his life? We'll come back to this point. At the, at the shore, eating the fish, the breakfast. I could sum up Peter's life. What he's going to do is he's going to change the world. That's his destiny. That was his pre-plan by God. Now stick with me. Here's what I want you to get. God's pre-plan for Peter was to be a world changer. He's going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were going to make Jesus Lord of their life. Did you hear me? 3,000. But after that was exponential growth. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands comes to know Jesus after the ripple effect of the day of Pentecost. The enemy knew Peter's planned destiny was going to be great. But so did Jesus. And this morning, Jesus knows your destiny is great. And the enemy is trying to put shame on you to not only talk you out of that destiny, but get you to believe that your identity is not what God says of your life. He takes Peter at this point in his life when he's feeling at his lowest. He's experiencing shame in his life. I experienced, I did something that I feel like I don't need to be loved. I can't be loved anymore. The Bible says that Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? And, and Peter's response is, Master, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs, which is talking about you're, you're going to be a minister. You're going to be able to change the world. He asked him a second time, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Master, you know I love you. He says, shepherd my sheep. In other words, feed my sheep. You're, this is your destiny. Then he said a third time, do you love me, Peter? Now watch this. I always get a kick out of this because he says, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus is probably thinking, I've always known that you love me. But do you know inside of you, when that voice talks to you, do you know, Peter, that you love me? Because if you know that you love me, if you know that I don't just have love, I am love, God. There is no fear in love. Then when that little voice of the accuser comes and begins to speak to you, shame. You didn't just betray Jesus, you are the betrayer. You can say, oh no, that's not my identity. I'm a lover of Jesus. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can, can I go a little bit further? I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Because of who He is, He is maybe... It's not just a suggestion. I didn't earn it. I didn't have to prove it. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Can I say this? The poison is shame speaking into your life. You are a failure forever. 
again. It's something we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us an unworthy, we're unworthy of love in our life. Not realizing that the enemy knows the only way out of shame is to receive the love of God into your life. This morning, I'm going to ask the ushers if you guys would pass these out. I'm going to give you, as we're in a series of habits, and it is so important for you to realize that there's things going on in your life of habits. Routines and patterns and lifestyles. This morning, if you realize that there is a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward to everything that goes on in your life, can I, can I tell you it's as easy as going into a dark room? And what do you do? You have a, a cue. It's dark in here. What's your craving? I want to have light. So you walk over and turn on the light switch. Boom, light. That's the response. And then the reward is that you can see where you want to go. Life is built on solving problems in our brain, just the little things that we do. Just the little things that we do to solve problems. Every time that we hit a problem, we're trying to solve it. And then when we do it often enough, it creates a habit. And out of those habits, then we can let our subconscious run without focusing on, oh no, I'm in a dark room, what am I going to do? I can't go in there. You already have that habit. You have the answer. So this morning when we take it to the subject of something a lot more important than just walking into a dark room and turning on the light, it's like that. It's walking in a place of shame and saying, how do I turn on the light? I have a craving to walk in freedom. What is my response? What is the reward? Where am I going? Can, can I say this? this? This can be so easy if we allow. Give me just a few minutes before spending so much time looking over that. I'll, re, I'll point it out in a few minutes. We're about ready to dismiss. But it's so important. As you see, at, at, in creating a habit, if, if you just turn to page, um, let, me, let me say this. We can turn to page two, and I'll, I'll bring that out. But again, last week you were handed out. I think there's some in the back. But when you tie a habit to something that you're already doing, it helps you remember. And it's very practical. This is practical. So many times people say, well, just go home and read the Bible. Well, where do I read the Bible? Go home and pray. Well, I don't even know how to pray, some people would say. This morning, this is very practical. This is getting little bitty bites. If this morning you would realize that just increasing 1% a day over the course of the year, you're going to see things changing in your life. Try to understand where we're starting as a church. It can be just two minutes. Two minutes a day. Here's what I want you to see. Is maybe some of you will come to the point where you'll say, okay, I need, I know there's some things that are working in my life. And I need to change the behavior in my life. And here's a suggestion. You might have a craving, I want more in my life. I, I want to see the fruit of the Spirit actively being brought out. People can see it. I, I want to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I, I want to see that. So let me, let me give you a suggestion. Every morning, maybe before you fill in the blank, you, you decide. For me, it's, when I get a cup of coffee in the morning and I sit down, I will meditate on the Word of God. What does that mean? None of your business. What I'm going through in my life right now. But here's a suggestion. I've given you on page two declarations of your life. Psalms 112 is one of my favorite passages that talks about the blessed man. 
You can read it out of the Bible. You can change to translations. If you feel God only speaks through the King James, then read the King James Version. Be free. But don't bring in a Buddhist Bible, or if they have one, or the, you know, Quran, the Word of God. Look, look at just first. We're not going to read that whole chapter, but blessed man. If you're a man, who's blessed? Blessed woman. Are you, women, you blessed? This is for you. Who fear God, who cherish and relish His commands, their children robust on the earth and the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. Well, Pastor, I don't know if my house brims with wealth. Then at this point, start walking by faith and not by sight. I speak to things that are not as if they are. I don't feel. Don't get over that. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. I did not write Psalms 112, by the way. But if you are blessed, and John Miller is blessed, then I look for situations to be a blessing and generous on every occasion. You can, you can read it that way. But there's some very easy declarations over your life. Now, now here, here's what, you, you listen to the media. If you're not careful, you know it. And it's so obvious during COVID. I'm telling you, we got trouble. And it's with the capital T and it's right here. Is there anything of God going into your life besides this time every week? This is John Miller. Before or after I drink, I, I've got a whole system. I get up, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. Say, Pastor, isn't habits kind of confining and constrictive and kind of melancholy? If you're not, how's that working for you? Yeah, I haven't read the Bible in well, a long time. Put it in a place, create a habit. Listen to the first one. And I encourage you to get somewhere that you can read these out loud to yourself, that your mouth is speaking them and your ear is hearing them. It's so much more powerful. Listen to the first one. I declare that God has a great plan for my life. Does he or does he me? Yes. He is directing my steps, and even though I may always, I might not always understand how I know my situation is not a surprise to God. Is that true or not? It's true. He will work out every deep detail to my advantage. In his perfect timing, everything will turn out right. This is my declaration. Because you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus, and you're walking by the Spirit and not the flesh, you have faith that God is going to take care of the situation. Well, Pastor, I don't see it. Aren't you glad that he is a way maker? Miracle worker, promise keeper? And if nothing else, believe that he is the light in the darkness. Come on. This morning, I encourage you, just, just start with this. Two minutes a day. Can you give me two minutes? Can you give me two minutes? Every day, just begin something different. And, and allow God's voice to become louder than the voice of shame that speaks so loud in some of our lives. This morning, just in two minutes, would you bow your heads? We're going to pray. I believe that the first step of freedom of what God has done for us is accepting what he did for us. Therefore, in receiving that, we can start the journey of freedom in our life over shame. This morning, if somebody has hurt you that has led to the shame, I encourage you to forgive them. So much of unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. God has forgiven us. This morning, if you are feeling shame and, and you're allowing it, maybe you've already allowed it to begin to take root in your heart. But you'll say today, it ends. It will not cling to me. I, I will not be its prey. I will not receive what it says over my life. 
If you're here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you know, and I'm going to pray. Father, today, from the right to the left, to the front, to the back, everybody that is in this place, the God that your Holy Spirit has pointed to things in our life, and they become evident and obvious to us. Father, we choose to believe what you said about us, that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Therefore, that our, our identity creates the belief of our destiny is set by you, a great, great plan and a future. And God, we receive that today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to be here next week and the week after that and the week after that. But next week, we're going to have something special as we talk on the freedom of shame. We're going to have three speakers and they're going to come and they're going to kind of do a, if you've ever seen Smackdown, you know, on the, this is nothing like that. All right. But, but a tag team and they're going to do a tag team. Three speakers are going to speak on the love of God the solution for the problem of walking in shame. I want you to be here. Remember that also the first Sunday of April, if you would like to become a member of our church, we have a class, a luncheon. Uh, If you would like, I believe there's a sign-up sheet in the back. One more time. Oh, there's a, yeah, right there. Text right there, that number. And that that, that number is familiar. Yeah, that's Gwen's number. And you can tell her that she uh, that you will attend that and we will have a turkey leg or whatever we're serving for you. So remember, that's the first Sunday of the month and we'll give you all the details about uh, that we do not believe in passing snakes and all the other things that some churches might, but all the things that we do believe in the goodness of God And we're so glad that you guys came today. Some of you are going, I'm going to that just to hear what they do. Okay. Why don't you stand with me? You have a piece of paper. I encourage you to review that just one time this week. Maybe wherever you're sitting in the morning on a couch, in your living room, in your bedroom, put it somewhere that it's obvious so that you'll see it again. Even if that means in the restroom, put it on the refrigerator. Wherever you visit the most, put it there so it's obvious. So again, that you're reminded of this, feel free to use this piece of paper today when you teach it to somebody else during lunch, which I know you will. God, be with us today as we leave this place. God, you have blessed us so much, starting with salvation And Father, then giving us a life while we're living here on this earth that is abundant. The Father that we love and can't wait also to spend eternity with you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Go get them.